0: Welcome to Angel's Exits and Acquisitions, the place to learn how to fund, scale, exit, and massively profit as an angel investor or entrepreneur. Brought to you by the Angel Investors Network. And now, here's your host, Jeff Barnes. Hi there, it's Jeff Barnes again with Angel Investors Network, and this is the Angel's Exits and Acquisitions podcast. And today's guest is Randy Tate. Now, Randy had an exit early on in his career, became a small business coach and advisor, and then went on to work with one of the leading CRM companies out there, Infusionsoft, to help them grow their company significantly, and now is working in a SaaS startup focused on the financial sector to really help people achieve the wealth and freedom that they desire. And I'm really excited to introduce Randy here because he and I have known each other for the better part of a decade and have worked together as business coaches and advisors um, he also does know my co-host, e who unfortunately, just because of all the scheduling conflicts we had, was not able to help me co-host this one episode, but he will be back on the next episode. We're really looking forward to having him here. But stay tuned. Listen to Randy talking about not only his journey as a startup and an advisor and business coach, but also what he knows about the financial markets, the economy, and what to look for when it comes to investing and what you need to know when you're building a startup or investing in a SaaS-based company, which, of course, there are so many of them out there. And this is this is a lot of great information you need to understand when it comes to investing in or starting up a SaaS. So again, here's Randy Tate on the Angels, Exits, and Acquisitions podcast. Thank you very much. All right, Randy, how are you doing today, man? Great, Jeff. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Wonderful, wonderful. I am excited to have you here. You know, we've known each other for almost 10 years now. We were just talking about that. And um, you've had a a pretty incredible journey to get to where you are right now, running the company you're running. And we'll talk about that uh, in a little bit. But I want to talk before we get to, you know, the investing and what's happening in the economy and what people should be looking for. I want people to get a chance to know you a little bit more and your crazy journey to how you ended up in the situation you are right now. So, you know, don't take me all the way back to the womb, but, you know, you, you were in, in charge of doing some business coaching and helping business owners grow, and then helping one of the largest CRMs for small business out there grow their company and, and adopt technology. So why don't you give folks a little bit of a background about who you are and what you've been doing?
1: Yeah, I won't go to the womb. Um, <laughs> real, And I'll give it briefly. You know, post-college, I was actually a high school teacher football coach. Spent my first ten years doing that. Realized there was no money in it, so I left uh, and I started my own company. And that was my beginning journeys of being an entrepreneur. So I learned quickly, you know, some fundamentals just by sweat equity, literally how to grow a company. And my first company, I grew it up to around well, a little over five million in revenue uh, in four years, and then we sold it to a multi-billion-dollar publicly traded. Um, industry giant. And that, that really got me going. I'm like, Ooh, I got a 10 X on my EBITDA. This is great. Uh, I'm learning all kinds of new stuff. And I've had a passion to teach. I like to teach. So I went back. Part of my agreement with that company was I would, I would stay and advise with them. However, I wanted to be able to go out and teach small businesses. And that's where you met me. And I started going out and teaching, coaching small businesses. I've spoke to and coached small businesses all over the world, um, multiple countries, all over. And that led me to the creation of an executive coaching company. So now I was coaching both sides of the house. I had a business partner that was a former McKinsey exec. She helped put together the, the list of companies we would work with on that side of the house. And then I was still doing all the mainly the small business stuff, the fundamentals, leadership, language things that are uh, company and industry agnostic, right? Then I moved to Infusionsoft, as you know, and uh, they were a client and we ended up uh, taking executive roles at that company, Uh, ran their entire small business education and training division uh, as a vice president there, which led me to the CEO job at the current company, iFlip. And so what what I've found is through the leadership, the language, the teaching, the training, I fell in love with uh, consumer software. I think it's the most awesome business model I've ever seen. And I've taken and leapfrogged myself from the role at Infusionsoft into my current role. And now we're in cross industries, we're in FinTech basically, but we're a
0: SaaS company in the finance space. Yep, awesome. So um, you threw out a couple terms there. I expect that most people know them, but your first one is you got a 10X on EBITDA, which is earning before interest taxes, depreciation, and amortization. And for anyone who doesn't know, um, especially if you're investing in small businesses, early stage companies, even startups, the way that a lot of companies are valued once they hit revenue is through multiple of that EBITDA. So getting a 10x on essentially your profits is always a good deal, right? I mean, you accelerate a 10-year profit and bring it up to today and then get to go do whatever you want with it, which is pretty much, I'd say, almost every entrepreneur's dream, especially on their first company. Hard to do. Uh, (laughs) um, Yeah. you know, why doesn't everybody do it? Because it is hard. There are
1: things you have to be able to do. And if right. you can't if you can't do some fundamental things, regardless of industry, then it won't it won't work. And those those metrics are changing now, Jeff. And we'll talk a little more about that as we go. But in the world of capital now, companies are no longer just valued on EBITDA or even total revenue. There are so many other factors now. Uh, and ways to value companies, you know, discounted future cash flows, for instance. Uh, that's, a, that's a big metric. That's actually how we're being valued today at iFlip. And, you know, it's interesting. You also have subscriber base. What's a head worth? What is a unit worth? Because mm-hmm. a, a $10 a month subscriber is worth more than a $1,000 sale. People scratch their head and go, well, how, how can that guy be worth more than the $1,000 sale? Well, it's, that's, the, that's the modern Silicon Valley model
0: which makes a lot more sense than just number of eyeballs, right? Which is what it used to be in Silicon Valley, at least is how many eyeballs do we have on this? How many people have opted in or how many free users do we have? And to a certain extent, that still makes sense because you look at Facebook, for example, and I I, I do crack up about this, you know, I, I do my fair share of investing in the public markets as well. And I was reading a report that Facebook's value increased and the number, the amount of money going into their shares increased dramatically during March and April of 2020, when all the business owners were pulling their advertising dollar out. And the logic behind this, and it cracked me up was, well, more people are going to be at home. So more people are going to be spending time on Facebook. So obviously the value of the company has gone up, but they forgot about that one key aspect, which is how do they make money with the, ad- the advertisers? Now, yeah. normally in normal times you would absolutely say, oh, more people going in, obviously more money coming in too. Right. But we're just in this really weird world right now where that's not necessarily true. So yeah, it's it pretty is. funny.
1: A free head is worth
0: a surprising amount of money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> isn't, it, isn't it crazy? I mean, daunting. it's crazy. Yeah. yeah. I remember when I watched uh, was it a social network that went about Facebook and Zuckerberg and how they got yeah. it started and everything like that. And um, you know, before they're even making money, the, the nine figure, 10 figure valuation they're putting on this before they're really even attracting any money in. And I know a lot of people scratch their heads, but when it comes down to it, like you understand, um, if you are really good at monetizing, and I hate that word, but it is pretty much the best word for it. Uh, when you start learning how to monetize your user base, the right way then the value can go, go up dramatically because your revenue and your profits go up dramatically. And I think that's one of the coolest things about SaaS businesses in general, technology for the most part, is that you create it once. The intellectual property is the hardest part to do the rollout gets to be the second hardest part to do. And then, of course, you're always upgrading, tweaking, making modifications to it. Yep. But once you create a technology, it's not like building a tank, right? You build a tank, but then you have to go back and remanufacture another tank. And every single time you manufacture a tank, you've only created a unit of one. When you've created technology, you can create an exponential organization, right? Absolutely. That's that's the power of it. And
1: is as long as your widget, your product, the thing that you're uh, giving people when they enroll is sticky. You know, that's the other number is that churn, you know, as long as you can, you know, bring them on like dollars per head at, at, at flip, for instance, we know that we're, we're all, we're like a 10 X on a lifetime value to CAC LTV to CAC, mm-hmm. um, which is when you start out with the intention to build something a certain way, it's much easier to get to the metrics you want. Some people call it gamifying. I just call it smart business. Build the machine the way you want it to be, the way you want to present it to the world,
0: you know? Um, yeah. yeah. So I, I want to talk about that. And in, in full disclosure for all listeners, I am a user of Flip, the, the company that Randy's talking about. We'll talk about that in a minute. Um, but when it comes to, you said gamifying and building the product the way that the users want to use it, What do you mean by that? Because I I have an idea of what I think you mean, but you're you're really what you're trying to do is you're trying to get your hooks into the customer so they don't want to leave. Right. And so how how do you do that? And what is it you feel like is, is something that's important that maybe even most entrepreneurs miss out on when it comes to that? Well, a lot of entrepreneurs get really excited about an idea.
1: So take a cook, for instance, a chef. They like to cook meals a certain way, certain things and they prepare things for themselves they treat themselves as the customer and that's a often fatal mistake you want to be able to create things for the largest number of people and then you can then you can scale yourself through pricing and get down to that little niche market that you want to get but you want to think of your industry your world your thing and How can you help the most people? Our platform, if I let uh, Kelly Korshak, my business partner, our CIO, that, that guy went to Stanford's physics program when he was 16 years old. He's managed billions and billions of dollars at one time. Literally, banks have handed him, here's $7 billion. Use your math to manage it. If that guy was building our platform for himself, it would look far different than it looks today for the common user. Right. So- as you start to build out for the entrepreneurs out there, as you start to build out the thing, the problem you're solving, you then want to find a purpose statement that encompasses the masses. You know, our purpose statement is pretty simple to empower everyone to preserve, protect, and grow their wealth. Now we'll never empower everyone. Everyone won't use our thing, but our purpose is everyone. And so we build from that perspective when you're building from the perspective of the masses, you can get more finite and tighter, but you've got to be able to make the people that are subscribing to your thing happy and happy people don't leave. Happy people stay. You also want to make sure it's something they will use a lot of other, you know, there are, there's a lot of SaaS models out there where they create products that are either too hard to use. They don't come with enough training, enough education, and you really can't figure it out. in FusionSoft, when I was there, we battled that. We had built the product so robust and so awesome that the average entrepreneur that it was built for no longer could use it. You yeah. know, it got the moniker ConfusionSoft. Yeah, you know, I had people change their occurrence about that. It's, it's the best platform out there. It still is today. And they've changed the name to Keep, but it is a phenomenal platform. But it's not for the little small business owner. It's for the
0: mid-sized business that's got budget to hire somebody to run that aspect of their company. So, so that's a really important point because you just said almost, I'm not going to, it, it isn't, but it sounds like almost the opposite of what almost every marketer or startup coach or anybody talks about, which is niche down to the smallest one you can and build the product just for them. Right. And I, I know what you're saying. And so I want to make sure that we we cover this because if you go and you talk to anybody who's a marketer or a business coach and they're going to say, who's your avatar, who's Who's the one person that you're building this for? And they want you to come up with a name. They want you to put this in a box. And the smart marketers are like, no, you need at least three or four because you're going to have to transition or change your messaging or your product a little bit for them. But you're really talking about you want to build something that's really big for the masses. So how does somebody you know, rectify those those two competing ideas of, one, we want to build something that's usable for the masses, but we also want it to make sense for the one target market that we're going after.
1: Yeah. It gets confusing sometimes because the answer is both. Right. Yeah. The answer is both. You have to be able to, your ideal perfect customer, that avatar. Yes. You need to know it. Have to, Mm -hmm. you know, and then you need to just keep backing up and getting bigger bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger until you, you've reached a critical mass number that you can serve because you're going to need to reach out to that critical mass to find that ideal customer. You know, in, in our case, you know, we we take from our top of our funnel, if you will, if you want to use marketing language, our free product It's for every single person that wants to create some form of a, a wealth creation portfolio, Right. right that's not for my partner Kelly that's not for right. him. Then you just bring it down from free to more expensive or more features one or the other into other reasons usually both till you'll eventually whittle it down those people will come through that funnel to the point where they're at the bottom and they're happy and they're they're sticky but if you can't get them sticky at the top, you'll never get them we'll never get them there's no compelling. Now does that mean your message doesn't need to be laser focused and tight? It does. You're solving a problem. What problem are you solving? You know, we're we're solving the problem of preserving, protecting and growing wealth.
0: Love That's it. the problem. Yep. And so let's just extrapolate from there like you figured out okay, here's our purpose. And just from the marketing perspective, like never mind the technology. The tech, what you're saying is let's make the technology usable for the widest number of people we can possibly create. Yeah. But then let's narrow down into who's going to be our early adopters, right? Like when we talk about startup language, who are our early adopters, you know, who are the people who are going to line up outside the Apple store to buy the phone two days in advance because they're going to be the ones that are going to want to test it. Like you could even go one step further. And who are the people who would want to come and work for Apple so they can help us develop the next phone because they're the geeks, right? So those are the people that probably when you guys were building the technology, you're like, Let's find those people so we can build it. Then let's make it a little bit better for the early adopters. Then we have the early majority. And then eventually, it's good enough for even the late majority and the laggards, right? Yeah. And that's
1: exactly how we built our funnel. We built it from the bottom up. And I'm, I'm an advocate in, in the technology space, mind you. There's right. different other spaces. In the technology space, build from the bottom up. Because if you start down at the bottom, you're going to get the people that understand what you're doing. They're generally going to be more forgiving and they're going to work with you. You know, we, we spent a year and a half doing product market research. I was on, well, in 2019, I spoke at 42 events. Yeah, that's probably went down a little bit in 2020, huh? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, I think I'm up to five (laughs) (laughs) and and, and it might, it might plateau there. Right. Uh, but, but it's okay because now we've moved into the digital space. Yep, the Timing for us has been great, but we couldn't have just started there. Right. We couldn't have just started there. And so now I've tweaked and moved and moved, manipulated the product till I've got it where I think it's good. It'll always get better. But now, now I have that and I have my layers of product. And in that, inside those layers of product, and again, widget agnostic, doesn't matter what your machine is. Inside the layers of product, I now can start establishing metrics. I can build functioning revenue models. I can start tracking because, again, if you're going to go out and raise capital, I know that's part of your world, Jeff. I mean, how how many investors do you know are going to give money to a startup that can't show you their, you know, three-year pro forma and what they're going to do with the money and what it's going to turn into? They They won't even talk to you if you don't have that. You got to be able to have that conversation. Mm -hmm. And so when, but you can't do that until you have the product, got to get the product going, got to get that, you know, we call it our flagship um, bottom of the funnel, top dog machine. And then you start building out that funnel to the masses.
0: Well, and also I'd say it even starts one step further before you even create the product, right? Which is you and Kelly kind of have this idea. Kelly has this incredible brain and, he can probably run algorithms in his head that no one can even understand if it was written out on the blackboard, you know, with, with uh, Charlie Brown explaining it. Right. But you know, he's got this stuff figured out and to your point, he could have just developed something that was great for him and maybe even day traders and hedge fund guys. But you guys came along and said, no, let's create a, let's, let's create a vision or a purpose around this. And that vision, that purpose is what kind of molded or shaped what the product would become, right? Absolutely, and and I can tell you the
1: first ten iterations of the software, uh, I handed them back to Kelly and said, "Take that out, take that out, take that out, take that out, take that out." Take that out. <laughs> and he he couldn't, you know, for him, he was like, "Wow, but but it needs to do that. It needs to see this. That people need to know what that candlestick's doing, and they need to know what that over there is." I'm like, ah, "No, actually, they don't. No, they wanted to do it for them." Right. What do you mean? No, how are they going to know? Well, they're not. Yeah, <laughs> so that's the idea. And so to your to your point, right, it it takes multiple iterations to, to break it down and get it to
0: a point where it's functional at the highest level with the least amount of moving parts. Right. The term brevity is sexy can can kind of play into this, too. Right. I use the example of Google and, you know, when Google first came out, every other search engine yahoo altavista ask jeeves you know all the ones that were still around at that point were completely the opposite yeah. and people that didn't really understand the internet or technology or you know search and definitely didn't understand algorithms looked to google like okay um what do i do here well you just type you know, whatever you're looking for well that's it you know yeah. and And that was the thing that got them to be so powerful in the beginning. I would venture a guess, and I've heard this from a number of people, I'm not an inside source, but that Google search algorithm was no better. And in fact, it was probably a lot worse than a lot of the other ones were already out there. But they only focused on the one thing and they made it so simple, right? It was like, just put what you want on the front end. We'll do all the magic on the back end. You don't have to look at the 15 different columns and the 45 different headers to try and figure out what you're looking for. We'll make it simple. Right. And so that's uh, pretty much what you guys did too.
1: And that's how you change an industry. I mean, that's how you disrupt, you know, there's multiple ways you can start to penetrate a market. You know, you can be better. You can just do something better. But like you said, Google wasn't the best, but better's not the only answer. Mm-hmm. You can do it easier Yeah. and you can do it cheaper. Yeah. If you really want to disrupt an industry, you have to do all three. You have to find a way to deliver the goods better than the competition. You have to be able to do it cheaper than the competition. And you have to make it easier on the consumer than the competition. Look what Netflix did to Blockbuster. Right. You know, and that's, that's, we spent a lot of time early on, Jeff, mapping that out and what existed in the industry for people, you know, mm-hmm. today would invest for the investment world. Anybody that wants to invest, you have, some mobile apps out there that will allow you to buy and sell stocks. Those are pretty cool. That's one, that's one model. And then you have all the way up to, you know, Goldman Sachs and, and some of those guys have private investment bankers that are very expensive, highly expensive, but they, they do it better. They're going to do it better than any of the Robinhood folks that are out trading by themselves. The guy at Goldman Sachs is going to do a better job. What you don't have is the disruption of that, what we we set out to do was to be as efficient and as effective as the biggest institutions, and we are. And we wanted to be the cheapest to the market and the easiest to use. We know, we know now for sure that if we can really accomplish those things and start to get traction like we have, we can completely change the fundamental way an industry works. That's been our intention from the beginning. That's why we've taken our time we haven't got out over our skis. We've been very consistent on our message and our work. We've grown very well, but the idea it comes back to, are we better? Yep, we are. We are better. I can assert that, I can prove that, I can show the math. Are we easier to use? You can attest to that. You've got an account, it does it for you. It fully buys and sells and manages your account completely for you. Are we cheaper? significantly cheaper, exponentially cheaper than the competition. So we're, we've we cornered all three of those areas because we came at it from a completely different business approach. We approached finance from a SaaS mentality. And so when, when people are trying to build their companies and they're growing their businesses in the startup space, they wanna make sure that they're looking at that, who is my competition, am I better than them? Is my product better? Okay, great. Is it easier to either obtain you know Netflix easier to obtain. You know I don't know if the Netflix video is any better than Blockbuster video, but right. it was easier to obtain and significantly cheaper. Yeah. So you start crossing two or all three of those bridges, you can you can really shift an in industry instead of being just a me too.
0: And I love it too. Um, so you know, let's look at it from the investor side of things, right? Like the investor's not going to understand all the ins and outs of the business, but they're gonna to want to know how you guys are growing and whatnot. And one of the things that, the key metric for any investor is growth, right? Like the key metric is they want to see growth and they love, most investors don't want to come in until there's some sort of traction. It's the the VCs, the angels, the guys that have you know big pockets that are willing to take a bigger risk are willing to come in before there's there's growth or traction on the customer ex- ex- um, side but they will see, still wanna see traction on you know, the software development. But yep. one of the things you talked about was gamification, right? And like I said, we're not really using that word, but one of the cool things that I think that technologies do that really excel, especially in the SaaS and definitely in the finance, is it's almost like, and we'll talk, You know, let's use Netflix or Disney Plus now or yep. any other streaming services. It's almost the instant gratification and in seeing results, right? And, and people, you know, if we were to apply the gamification idea to your guys' software, it's like, okay, I can choose the portfolio, I can even create my own, and I can almost see live, well, I can see live, exactly what's happening. Yep. And I get almost instant feedback and I feel really cool. I'm like, oh, cool. I get a chance to watch this. I don't have to know what's going on behind the scenes. I get a chance to watch it and see. Um, so we, would you explain, you know, what your guys' thought process was into going into that? And then for everybody else who's wondering what in the world your business is, like explain a little bit more about what what Flipping Wall Street is, iFlip is and all that.
1: Yeah. So um, Gamify, yes. we And, and we have, you're going to see some things coming out here shortly too. And you might have noticed. One of the things we want to do is encourage people to share. So every app that gets downloaded on free mobile app gets its own unique identity. So we are tracking who shares. There's one little button on there that says share. So we give people the opportunity to share. Now we're not, we haven't rolled this out officially yet, but it's coming very shortly. July it'll be out full People are going to accumulate points, rewards for things like an iFlip tier or an iFlip hat or a stock or money, earn money, make a referral. So now you can turn it into a game because it's all based on this. So you hit that share button and the little thing pops up and says, how do you want to share? Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, and it's all already built in. We've built in the gaming for them to be able to do that. Right. We're also going to create down the road by the end of this year. We're going to create the opportunity for people to play against each other. Mm -hmm. Right. So I got and and we're going to have a feature called, you know, so you think you're smart. Can you beat Kelly? Oh,
0: wow, (laughs) that'll be fun.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Well, it will be fun and we'll be able to We're The intent is to be able to do it in simulation mode so people Mm -hmm. won't have to put money in if they don't want to. But believe it or not, there are people out there that think they're better and they want to try it and they'll put money in just to try and beat Kelly. Mm-hmm. So we're growing our business by serving the people and making it fun for them. Yeah, that's the gamify piece. It's addictive. I have people tell me all the time, man, I watch the thing all day long because it just it, it changes in real time. I can see my money going up or down and it's fun.
0: Yeah.
1: So that, that's that's the gamify. And what we actually do, Jeff. um, We are an AI platform that allows the average person, as you probably heard from our purpose statement, to participate in the stock market with the effectiveness and the efficiency of a major institution. Our technology, if you wanted our technology, our level of technology to manage your stock portfolio, you would need roughly $100 million and the ability to invest with a private banker At Goldman Sachs, no other institution in the world could do it or even come close. Right, we do it on our platform for you know for a grand, five hundred bucks, you could get that efficiency and that effectiveness. And we built it like everything we've talked about. I practice everything I preach, and we've built it for the masses. So you can download it. You know, you can put in a little bit of money. You can pick a collection of stocks that have been put together by Kelly with algorithms attached to it, and it'll trade for you. And the last unique thing I'll say about us is that we are the only AI platform in this industry. The other people call themselves an AI. You'll see AI and you'll hear robotic or automated. They're not. They are simply an algorithm. And by definition, an algorithm is just math that says, if this, do that. And then, a, soft, and then a, a piece of software will execute it. In order to be AI, the machine, the, the algorithm itself must be able to change its rules. And each of our 11 algorithms have multiple algorithms behind the scene, forcing them to change their rules. So our machine learns in real time every day. And the more it learns, the better it gets. If you look at the last two drops, 2018, right? we uh, had the 20% drop in the fourth quarter of 2018. By October, by the first week of October, we were 87% cash, our investors. So they skipped it. They missed that whole dip. Currently, we're way up on average for the year, depending on when you started, because it's been a long... We got a little stretched out time here. Most of our people are positive right now for the year on their investments. Most of them. There are a few that are close because of they, of what they're doing, and, and they're doing it themselves, some of it. They've customized it. But our, our, our presets that are built by Kelly, they're all up for the year because... We got out of the market, and then got back in uh, mid March, the seventeenth of March, actually St. Patrick's St. Patty's Day. Yeah, yeah. Uh, They were uh, all stuck at home awesome. drinking a green beer by ourselves, right? That's right, <laughs> and and our investments all went back in. So that's what we've done. We we've, we've created a hedge fund for the masses so that anybody can use it.
0: And it's very cool, and it, it's intuitive, and it's pretty straightforward to use. And, and you know, as a guy who. I got involved in finances and investing because growing up, we didn't have money. And I was like, oh, wow, if you want to have the lifestyle, you got to have the money. Right. So I I spent most of my time learning about this. That's what led me into uh, technology and innovation. And then, of course, entrepreneurship. Um, And I got to say that I just love watching it and and playing around with it. (laughs) But you you said something in there that um, I, I think is really important for people to understand. You know, I I spent time at, you know, big fortune, global fortune 100 company running innovation and technology projects around the world. And we would get startups and people coming to us all the time saying, you were the next AI or machine learning platform for X, whatever it was. And you just have to ask a few questions to find out if it really is machine learning or AI. And one of the things is, okay, so how does your machine learning algorithm uh, adjust itself or your AI algorithm, you know, fix? Oh, we go back in. Once we find the problems, we fix that and we change that. So we keep, well, that's not artificial intelligence. That's you guys manipulating the algorithm, right? There's a very big difference there. And it just drove me nuts when I was working with a lot of these really high-tech startups that they would just throw out the buzzwords because that's what's going to attract investors, right? But you guys have built that into the algorithms, Absolutely.
1: And I tell people all the time because there there are advisors out there that don't know the difference and they'll tell their people they're putting them into an AI platform. Mm -hmm. One simple question. Can the algorithm change its own rules or does a human have to do it? If a human has to do it, it's not AI.
0: Yeah. Period. And, And that's a really key distinction. And so anybody who's considering investing in AI or machine learning or anything like that, where they're saying that it's the future of whatever the industry is. Um, ask that question, you know, do yep. your due diligence and figure that out because if it's not, or if they say, Oh, well, eventually it will be, yeah, you know, that, that's understandable. Like you do have to train and it does have to learn at some point. You have to figure out what to teach it. But then if you teach the algorithm how to do it and you can be hands off and it can do it better than a human, then great. But if they have no way to get there, then, you know, maybe, Consider a different investment. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, or, or just change the rules of how you're investing. You know, there's some algorithms that work just fine. Mm-hmm. You know, um, Google they manually cha- adjust their algorithms.
0: They're they're algorithmically driven. They they are. They they so does Facebook.
1: You know, those does Facebook.
0: Yeah, we know because every time they change something, they slap us uh, us advertisers like, man, that came yeah. out of nowhere. That's what exactly. great yesterday. Exactly. So. You
1: know that's that's how they do it, Um, and it doesn't have a place in every industry. In our industry, we think it's critical, and we do think what we're doing, our model, is the future of this industry. Because Mm -hmm. you know, at full scale, at a billion-dollar valuation, we'll we'll cap out max at eighty employees. Yeah, and so you know that's you know you're talking four hundred grand per employee in revenue. Mm-hmm. When you start looking at numbers like that, investors get really excited. We are full blown into our series A right now. We're in the middle of our roadshow and we already have one term sheet and we're we're, we're shopping, you know, we will, um, it's good to be in the position
0: we're in because we built it this way from the beginning. Right. Yeah, and you have to be very prescient and think about what's gonna happen in the future and all that. And yeah, absolutely love it. So Randy, we're running low on time here. I want, I have okay. two questions for you. All right. And the first one is just kind of fun. So you've built a business, you've exited a business, you've invested in businesses, you've run bigger companies and been involved in, you know, so you've gone across the gamut. The only thing I don't think you've done is either military or government work as far as I know, but you were a teacher, right? So maybe the government <laughs> does. So that does qualify, right? Um, but tell me, you know, you, you've obviously experienced some pretty high highs. And I'm assuming there's some pretty low lows. Now I'm not going to ask you to reveal the most depressing thing that's ever happened to you, but what was one of your favorite failures? What was one of the things that happened to you that, at the time, yeah, it probably sucked, but looking back on it, you can either laugh at it or you're glad that it happened. 2002 Super Bowl. <laughs>
1: um, and I'll say that because I, the company I was running, um, my first one, we were we were in a, in a spot where we had oversold and the delivery had to be Monday and it's Sunday.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: No one left to do it. Company's gone home. Randy was there for 14 hours completing the project to that it was ready to be delivered on Monday. And, <laughs> and that happened to be Somewhere in the neighborhood, I had also done the same thing the previous Christmas and Thanksgiving. I'd been on about a three four-month tear of seven days a week, 14, 15 hours a day. And I remember sitting there going, I will never do this again. I happen to be a big football fan. And so the lesson was that you improper planning and future planning will kill you. And that hero syndrome doesn't work, you know. I'll get it done. I'll get it done. I'll just work harder. I'll get it done. Doesn't work. So that, that's that's one of my biggest lessons, Jeff, and it's stuck with me um, for a long time. And um,
0: that was a low. That was a low period. Yeah, I could imagine. You know, missing the Super Bowl and having to work through it. Yeah, I, I've I've been there. done that for sure. Um, we had to say in the Navy, it was the seven Ps, proper planning prevents piss poor performance, you know, and, uh, it, it's, it's always nice to have that proper planning, but sometimes you have to learn the hard way to realize that's important, right? <laughs> yep. All right. And so the last question is, how can people find out more about you? How can they connect with you and how can they learn more about your guys' company?
1: Um, iflipinvest.com. That's our website. Um, We're on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, everything in the world. My name is Randy Tate. You can connect with me uh, that way as well, or you can just email me directly. That would be the easiest way. I I don't usually give people direct links, right? So I'll give them this. So if you heard us have this conversation and you want to learn more about our software, send me an email, randy at iflipinvest.com, and tell me that you heard me on Jeff Barnes's pod, podcast, right? We're on a podcast. That's yep, yep. all we're doing. Yep. On, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I just say so it's just one know, after one meeting after the next these days, don't we? <laughs> um, so you heard me on Jeff Barnes podcast, and I will. Uh, I'll have some. I'll have some special cool stuff for you. I'll set up just for you guys. But if you want to look at the website, go check out the website. Uh, but feel free. That's my personal email: randy at randy@iflipinvest.com.
0: Awesome, Randy. Thank you so much. That's very generous of you. I really appreciate it. Also really appreciate your time. I know that especially being a technology in a SaaS company and still kind of technically in startup mode, um, your, your life is probably even busier now that you have to do everything digitally, right? Because now I, I realize this one thing. Yeah, we're not spending the time in the airports and traveling and whatnot, but it just means we can do back-to-back Zoom calls on a regular basis now. So thank you very much. We fill the void. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We always do, don't we? We do. It's a funny thing about human nature. is like you give us an empty space, we will fill it with something. Yep. <laughs> Can't help ourselves. It's so true. Awesome, Randy. Thank you so much. I really appreciate your time and we will put all the links and everything like that in the show notes for you. So if you want to learn more about that or you want to read the show notes, you can go to um, angelinvestorsnetwork.com forward slash podcast. Again, my name is Jeff Barnes, CEO of Angel Investors Network and this was the Angels Exits and Acquisitions Podcast. Thanks, Randy. Thanks, Jeff. You've been listening to Angels Exits and Acquisitions with your host, Jeff Barnes, brought to you by the Angel Investors Network. Remember to subscribe to this podcast on Apple iTunes or wherever you like to listen to your podcasts. Go to www.angelnetwork.com for tools, resources, show notes, and more, as well as our free training on how to become a successful angel investor and entrepreneur.